Hello and welcome again to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Ben Hunter, the Fiction Category Manager at Booktopia. Um, I'm joined today again by Shanu Prasad, our Lifestyle Category Manager. How are you, Shanu? I'm good, thank you. Excellent. Um, this is a conversation that, um, that you and I have been really excited to have. Um, we're yeah. going to be speaking with uh, Charlotte McConaughey, whose book, The Last Migration, is um, one of the big releases of this year. It's her, um, it's her uh, debut uh, adult literary fiction um, after a number of novels. Um, and this, uh, this book is uh, one of the best books I've read this year. It's probably one of the best books I've ever written. Um, Charlotte, are you there? Can you hear us? How are you going? I'm here. I can hear you. I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on today. It's a real honour. Um, you've, as I said, you've published a number of books that um, were for younger readers. Um, and to be perfectly honest, that's that's not a um, realm I read in, and I'd never heard of them. Um, and they look nothing like the last migration. Um, so could you tell us a bit about how you got into writing? Um, and where this extraordinary novel, The Last Migration, began for you. Yeah, sure. So I I started writing when I was very young. Um, I've been obsessed with it since I was a kid. I started my first novel when I was 14, um, and I would kind of go home and write that instead of doing my homework or studying for exams. And my mum my quickly realised there was zero point in trying to fight that battle. Um, and then that book kind of flukishly got published, which started me on that journey of publishing fantasy and sci-fi books for a YA audience. Um, and Because that was my passion. That's what I loved to read. Um, and I had eight of those published in Australia. Um, and then I think I, I was about 25 when I realised I really wanted to learn more about the craft of writing. So I did a graduate degree and a master's in screenwriting, which kind of opened up a whole new understanding of story craft and character development and genre and theme and et cetera, um, which really hoped my, helped my prose writing. Um, and I decided that I wanted to challenge myself to write a novel that was very different to what I'd done before. Um, and that's kind of how I came to The Last Migration, which I, I think it was a book that had been in me for a very long time, maybe always, um, and it was by far the most challenging thing I'd ever written or done. Um, but I, I think that's what made it feel so important to me. Um, and, yeah, that kind of brings us to today. How would you describe the book to people who haven't heard of it? Um, do you have a sort of elevator pitch that you give? Uh, sort of. It's, it's basically the story of Franny Stone, an ornithologist who decides to follow the last flock of Arctic terns on what may be their final migration from the Arctic to the Antarctic. And she does this because the book's set in a very near future during the peak of the extinction crisis when all the animals are either extinct or the last of their kind. Um, it's kind of an intimate story about her life and the things that she have led her to this enormous journey. Putting a, a, really, <laughs> a really massive novel um there's so much <laughs> going on here um I think it was <laughs> when we were talking about it before we were like oh but remember this bit and then ben's like oh yeah remember this bit and we can't say what the bits are because then we'll ruin it for anyone that hasn't actually <laughs> read it but then we were like hold i'm holding up i've got a copy of the book with me i'm holding the book up and i'm like the book's not that long how did how did you manage to <laughs> so much beautiful um you know emotion and not just emotion but also like actual journey into this book that's so concise but the fact that you actually 
have done a screenwriting, you know, well, two like degrees actually make a lot of sense now. Um, so that you say that. Elements, isn't there? Yeah, you can really see how you've managed to capture that, but just in like, you know, a perfectly formed and not 795 page novel, which is what yeah. you feel like it, you know, that's how much emotion and, and um, uh, kind of like, you know, life is packed into, <laughs> packed into our yeah. more novel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, screenwriting, if it teaches you anything, it teaches you brevity and simplicity. Yes. So that's, that's kind of what I try and aim for. Um, and it feels weird to think that it's a short book because it took up so much of my life. And, and yeah, it does feel um, sort of very thorough. <laughs> like it spans oh, yeah. her whole, whole kind of life. So, yeah, I don't, I don't actually know how it ended up to be quite slim. <laughs> it, it's just the perfect size. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's elements of travel and adventure. There's elements of violence. There's um, uh, incredible romance um, yeah. that is really well done. Um, and a great deal of mystery that you unravel um, reading this novel, which is, is great. But it's also, um, as you alluded to earlier, um, a novel of the ecological catastrophe. Um, mm. How does the existential threat of to the natural world sort of sit in your mind day to day? And how, how do you go about responding to it as a creative? Yeah, so it's something that obviously I'm very passionate about and it does sadly take up a bit of mental space. Um, but it's funny, I never set out to write a novel about climate change. Um, my intention kind of when I write is never to raise issues but to make readers feel something always. That's kind of my number one priority. Um, but I wanted to write about the natural world, wild creatures and wilderness and specifically our connection to that. Um, and you actually just can't do that in this day and age while ignoring climate change. It's it's too big, it's too confronting. Um, so instead of avoiding it, I decided to lean in, um, lean into my passion around fighting it. And I, I actually think that decision has really served the book because I can tell it's having an impact on people who read it. And I, I do think artists have great power to influence or inspire or even just to reconsider or shift a perspective. Um, and that's a humbling and profound responsibility. Great art can change the world. I mean, I don't think it has to. It can just exist for its own sake. And I'm certainly not saying that mine will or it will even come. But if I could even just challenge a handful of readers to consider their personal impact on the environment, um, I would definitely consider this book a success. And I think you can you can still fulfil the priority of making people feel something while also tackling the big issues. And actually, those two things can work together. Yeah, there's there's the power of narrative to do that in this. Novel. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think I, it was. Sorry, oh, go on, sorry. I was going to say it was particularly successful for me because when I got um, the manuscript to read, I didn't have it wasn't it was I read it as a. Um, as a PDF and so I didn't actually have a blurb on the back I didn't have anything other than the title and um, so when I started reading it I didn't um, fully it took me like a little while to realize like oh we must be we must be set slightly in the future and oh my goodness what's happened because it just doesn't such a great job of like of just of just you know bringing that in as a real matter of fact kind of um, you know situation and you can see how um, what a catastrophic impact it's had on the world, but also how the world just keeps going. 
And yes. um, and I think that's that actually made it a bit scarier than reading, you know, real dystopian fiction because you can kind of put that dystopian fiction and go, well, that's never going to really happen. Whereas this felt like really, oh, I could actually see how this could easily happen and not that far in the future. Yes, so, well, that's, that's exactly what I was going for. Um, I had, I've had various editors in different countries, one of which um, kind of really kept pushing me to... I guess world build more, um, and 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 look at all the Im kind of physical impacts on the on the human world. But I just didn't want to. Like it's it was honestly never um, never a part of what I was trying to do. I wanted this world to be the same as our world because I I think that the loss of animals is going to happen in our very near future, and I I kind of. Yeah, I wanted it to feel recognisable and, and more confronting in that way. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, and and you, your characters deal with it on a, on a great personal level. It, it drives a very sort of disparate group of people that come together um, uh, on, a, on an intense journey in this novel. It, it, it drives them crazy in, in, in different ways um, mm. and that's very effective. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I describe this novel as a kind of um, perfect literary page turner. Um, there's so much adventure, there's so much drama um, going on. Uh, you propel readers through the present, and at the same time, you're unspooling all these mysteries of the past of Franny. Um, and she is an intense character with an incredible voice. Um, how did you go about drafting and intersplicing the narrative timelines? Yeah, okay, so I actually wrote it from start to finish exactly as you read it. So I think I get kind of bored easily. So the thought of writing a first-person point-of-view novel with a linear structure was just a, not challenging enough for me. So I kind of decided that I also wanted to look at Franny's backstory and all those amazing moments that lead her um, to where she sort of starts starts the present day story and, and make her who she is. Um, because I think you can, you can, well, A, you can create a lot of tension in terms of what you seed in and, and um, you know, setting up reveals and catharsis. Um, and you also get a much more intimate look at Franny, as a character and you get to experience things like the relationship with her husband and um, her search for her mother. Um, so it just, it just was kind of a no, no brainer for me. Like I, I, I knew I wanted to tell the full scope of story um, at, and use it to kind of create a bit of a mystery. Mm. Um, what do you read to um, what's, what's been inspiring for you? Um, and I'll, I'll expand that out and say, what do you watch? What do you listen to as well? Oh, man. Okay, that's a massive question. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny. I find it hard to say authors that influence me because I don't think I'm consciously influenced by any, and yet every single thing that I read, um, of course, is, you know, a, a rich, yeah, it's a rich tapestry inspiration. And so um, for me it's mostly about mood and the right mood that um, will kind of sink me into that deep emotional connection to my work. So uh, that's a long way of saying 
anything and everything. Um, Music is massive. Uh, TV and film, massive. Books. I mean, um, oh, God. I read The The Over Story recently by Richard Powers. That's beautiful. It's a really kind of gorgeous um, work about trees, which made me look at trees a different way. I love some of Jeanette Winterson's oldest stuff. Like she's got that beautiful book, Lighthouse Keeping, which was really a great mood setter for me. And I always love reading Mary Oliver poetry. Um, she really like taps me into that love of nature. Uh, yeah, God, there's just so much. Anything? I'll watch anything. <laughs> Are you one of the those uh, authors that while they're writing a book they can't read anything else because they don't want the influences or are you happy just to still consume like the rest of us who are you know busily especially at the, you know yeah no yeah I need more when I'm reading I mean when I'm writing so yeah. if I and I have to be reading really good stuff if I start reading sort of trashy fun stuff then my writing gets bad <laughs> <laughs> So if I'm reading good stuff that I think, oh, wow, I'm never going to be able to write this well, then it, I think it lifts lifts yep. you a bit and kind of Before challenges you better, yeah. And um, well, it was one of the, um, uh, I think you mentioned in your acknowledgements that uh, it's your, I think your cousin, but they're one of the big um, parts of the, the book is obviously sort of the Irish background um, mm. and the Irish, the, the parts that are set in Ireland. So have you, did you yourself go and visit or did you sort of? Um, I did. You did? Uh, and yes, was that the first time I, you did when you were researching the book or had you been previously? No. So I'd been a, I've been a couple of times and then that definitely sparked my kind of love for the country. And, um, I mean, I always – it was one of those places I always wanted to go because that's where my ancestors are all from. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just really fell in love with it and I knew that I wanted to write a story about a woman from there. Um, she's also half Australian, so there's that kind of element of me and her as well. Um, but, so yeah, some of the scenes that when Franny kind of travels around to find her relations in Ireland are, are true scenes. Like that's their um, – I actually experienced that scene in the kitchen when they sit around <laughs> and play her music and that was just wow. amazing. Yeah. So it's a it's a gorgeous place that I'm. It's very dear to me. Did, did you also get to go to Antarctica? That's no, the... <laughs> no, it's totally on my bucket list. It's the number one place that I would buy to go to, but it's insanely expensive to get there. Yeah, my uh, my husband's um, uh, uncle uh, was actually did um, two stints in Antarctica, like working there oh, for wow. like the time, and um, it it definitely sounds like an incredible incredible yeah. and uh, crazy place to, to to go and so reading uh reading those uh chapters where you know <clears throat> about antarctica that's all i'm going to say <laughs> was, was really, was really in, was really uh fascinating uh seeing it from like a you know a, a person seeking to go their point of view at, uh, having heard about people that had gone there but for like a very different purpose <laughs> so yeah, that made yeah. contrast yeah, I think that's a good thing about the age we live in. We have so much information at our fingertips. It's it's a lot easier to research now than it used to be. Absolutely, which I think leads to Ben's next question. Well, I, I wanted to ask about the time of coronavirus um, and and what a, a, a massive um, deal this book is. So you're publishing not just here in Australia but um, in America and the UK as well. Um, it's an international big deal, and you've got some big ticket authors um, endorsing your work. It's very exciting. 
Um, yeah. But how do you manage a massive book launch um, from Australia during the time of coronavirus? Yeah, well, it's funny. <laughs> it you know, in some ways, it doesn't feel like a big international thing um, because it's just me zooming in my track pants for most of it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm definitely doing more publicity than I've ever done for any of my earlier Australian releases. Um, and there is certainly a lovely sense of engagement with readers that's already and that's really enriching. Um, and I went to, I did a tour of America in January, which was fantastic and very overwhelming. It's not glamorous, um, but it's publishing anytime is a little bit like that. You have this big build up to release day and then it arrives and it's kind of, a bit of an anticlimax. I mean, I'm lucky to be in Sydney. I can go to a bookshop and see the book in real life, which is just lovely. Um, yeah, we've adapted to the new environment in terms of trying to reach the audience to basically get them to understand that this is a book that exists. Uh, how do you hope that this book will be received, Charlotte? It was really important to me that this not only be a book that looks at the grim future we may be approaching, but that it's also a book uh, about hope. It's a story of a woman who loses hope but is able to reclaim it and she can still see the beauty that remains in the world um, and she's brave enough to take up the fight. And I, I really, really hope that, that that's what readers take away from this book, um, even if it's just to reconsider our impact, um, but also to take hope and to take courage and to know that we haven't lost this fight. Yeah, really well said. Um, what are you going to be working on next or what are you working on next? Yep, so I just spent the last year and a half writing my follow-up novel, um, which is my, so it'll be my second literary fiction work called Creatures All. Um, it's the story of a wolf biologist who's charged with reintroducing wolves to a Scottish highlands forest in order to bring back the ecosystem. Oh, my so, God. <laughs> I'm so excited already. You've just said all good things right there. <laughs> yeah, so she's obviously got lots of opposition from the locals and, um it's a there's a mystery there's a bit of a crime element as a love story um and it's a story of the healing power of nature so that's scheduled for release i know at least in america for this time next year and hopefully oh. here as well that's a long time to wait <laughs> <laughs> well you've got to leave at least a year between books <laughs> You, you can, but you could just, you know, that sounds so good. I'm like, I'm, 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 the thing is, I've yeah, got a digital copy now of your book, and I will, um, I will be keeping it to be rereading it uh, now that I have, you know, a date for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot wait. Saying it's really lucky that all the people listening to this will, um, uh, you know, be able to go and experience the last migration for the first time, and then a few more times before your next book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's. I definitely think it's well worth a reread. This one, it's, it's one that's going to be sitting on my bookshelf for a long time. Oh, thank you. I'm really glad. Um, we're really glad that you're able to spend some time with us today, um, uh, even over Skype. Um, next time we're going to have you here face to face. I'm sure. Um, yeah, thank you so much for your time, and thank you, and congratulations on such a terrific novel. Oh, thank you so much, and thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to chat. 
Um, Charlotte McConaughey's novel, The Last Migration, is published by Penguin Random House. You can buy it along with all of her novels from booktopia.com.au. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.